today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. It seems as though this star fallen from heaven is symbolic or metaphorically speaking of Satan himself falling from heaven. And here we see that he's given a key to the bottomless pit there in verse 1. You have to remember, he is given a key as a sign of authority, but yet he's not really the authority. He was given this key. And he was given that key for a particular time, for a particular purpose. And as we see, what what he did with that key is he opened up the, the bottomless pit. Satan wanted to be equal with God, so God kicked him out of heaven along with his followers. Today, we hear the part of the story where a key was sent with him. Pastor David wants us to take Satan and his power seriously. He was given the key to the bottomless pit, and he is seeking people to destroy. We need to be prepared with the Word of God. We will have trials and opposition. We would be wise to take it seriously and be prepared for it. What can we each do today to prepare ourselves? Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of Revelation chapter 9 with today's edition of The Open Word. Well, we are in the book of Revelation, and I invite you to turn there, if you would, chapter 9. We've already looked at the first four of the seven trumpets and started out in chapter 8, and chapter 8 was able to cover, again, all four of those, but now we're going to get into chapter 9, and we actually only cover two more of the three that are left. In chapter 8, in verse 13, John wrote, after looking at the first four trumpets, he said in verse 13, And I looked, and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. In other words, what he's saying, if you thought the first four were bad, you ain't seen nothing yet, because it's going to get worse. By way of a reminder, those first four trumpet blasts that we looked at, the first trumpet brought hail and fire mixed with blood, and it said that a third of the trees and all of the grass burnt up. And we talked about the fact that probably they were speaking more directly of the fruit-bearing trees and even the grasses that people would eat, like barleys and wheats and those kinds of things. The second trumpet came in in chapter 8, and something like a great mountain with fire fell into the sea, and it said that a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the creatures died, and a third of all of the ships that were in the sea were destroyed. At this current time, there's about 90,000 
registered ships within that are ocean-going vessels. So you're talking about 30,000 uh, ships totally destroyed and the men, the cargo, everything on it. The impact not only of the lives, but even on the economy at that point in time, too. The third trumpet. A burning star named Wormwood fell into on one-third of the rivers and the, the springs of water and that bitterness, that poison that brought to it. The waters not only became bitter, but many men died from that. And then the, the fourth trumpet, a third of the sun, the moon, and the stars became dark. Uh, a third of the day, a third of the night, not shining. You know, we, we think it's kind of interesting here in Arizona when we have a little bit of cloud cover. We think, oh, that's kind of nice, you know. The sun's not shining. I was talking to somebody this week that lived in the Pacific Northwest, and they said, that's what we had, like, nearly all the time. We hardly ever saw the sun. But then when you talk about what's going on here is that there is a covering, there is a, a darkness there that's so much more than just rain clouds or clouds or fog coming in, but a literal darkness that moves upon the earth. And then came that verse 13 that says, whoa, whoa, we're not done with this yet. There's more yet to come. And so we move on into chapter 9. And just as chapter 8 gave us four trumpets, now we're going to see just the next two, as I said, in chapter 9. And as a matter of fact, chapter 10 and 11 is kind of a continuation on those things. At the end of chapter 11, we finally get to the seventh trumpet. So there's now going to be some greater detail that's brought into the events that surround these trumpet blasts and what's going on, leading into that final seventh one. And then from that seventh trumpet comes the seven bowl judgments that go into the earth. Again, more disaster, more destruction, more of the wrath of God being poured out. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, let's look back at chapter 9, look at, again, trumpet number 5 and trumpet number 6. So in chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, then I saw the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth, and to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke rose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power, as scorpions of the earth have power. It's kind of interesting here now, again, the, the sky, everything is darkened again, the sun and the air darkened once more. But first of all, we see here that the star has fallen from heaven. At first, it seems like a repeat of some of the other events that had already taken place. The mountain that was on fire that fell into the ocean. The star wormwood that fell on one-third of the rivers and seas. Now, here's this other star that's fallen, but it is different. In the context, there appears as though the other ones were probably meteors that fell into the earth. But this particular star is different than the other ones. This star is spoken of in that third person, a personal pronoun, he or him, it speaks about it. A little bit later down in verse 11, we'll see in a bit, uh, he is shown as having the title or the position of a king. And then he is also given a name a little bit later, down in verse 11. His name is Apollyon, or Abaddon or Apollyon. Good speculation with this. 
And again, this is speculation. This is, again, much of revelation. We look at it, we try to pull things together, we try to think, okay, this is what it really seems to be like within the context of everything we know, Old Testament as well as New Testament, the things that Jesus spoke about these times as well as the visions that John has. It seems as though this star fallen from heaven is symbolic or metaphorically speaking of Satan himself falling from heaven. And here we see that he's given a key to the bottomless pit there in verse 1. You have to remember, he is given a key as a sign of authority, but yet he's not really the authority. He was given this key. And he was given that key for a particular time, for a particular purpose. And as we see, what what he did with that key is he opened up the, the bottomless pit. He opens up the abosis, the abyss which is the holding place, actually, of demons. It's the place where the demons, remember in the story in the Gospels, where Jesus meets the man with a legion of angels. And remember, as as Jesus came to them, they said, you're not going to send us to the abyss before our time. And remember, Jesus sent them into the pigs. Well, this is that same place, this bottomless pit, this abyss. It's the place, again, that we find out a little bit later in Revelation, uh, in chapter 11 and also in chapter 17, that this is where the beast comes from in the end times. In chapter 11, verse 7, we read, when they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. Well, Satan has this key for that. And chapter 17 speaks again that the beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. So this is the same place. It's the same place where Satan himself is going to be bound for a thousand years. In chapter 20 of Revelation, we read there that John says that I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. This isn't this star that fell down from heaven. No, now this is an angel that's coming down. He's got the key in this great chain. And verse 2 of chapter 20 of Revelation says, And he laid hold of that dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the abyss, the abuses, the bottomless pit, and shut him up. And set a seal on him, so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. And when we get to chapter 20, we'll go through all of that. So this abyss, this this bottomless pit that he's speaking about, plays a big part here, not only in the end times, but it plays a big part even now. There seems to be demonic forces that are even already right now apart and are in that bottomless pit. And there is a key, uh, some spiritual way that God allows it to be open. First, in chapter 9, as Satan, I believe, has given that time to have that key to open it up. And we're going to look at what happens in a moment. But then a little bit later, uh, an angel of God has the key and he seals Satan up. This is not the lake of fire. Don't confuse the two. The lake of fire, that's the final place. That's the continual place of torment, not only for Satan, but for all of his followers. Still in chapter 20 of Revelation, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but just to help you discern between these two. 
In chapter 20, verse 10, the devil who deceived them was cast into that lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Once they get into that lake of fire, there's no key that's going to get them out. That is the end place. But one of the other interesting things, still in 20, it's down in verse 14, it says, Then death and Hades, in other words, the grave, were cast into that fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was also cast into that lake of fire. So in other words, that is the final destination. That's the, the hell that Jesus spoke of so often. How many of you realize that Jesus in his earthly ministry, he actually spoke about hell more than he spoke about heaven? He made sure that people knew that there was a real, that there was a literal place, a place of torment, a place of suffering. Why? Because he didn't want them to go there. God had provided a way, God had provided a means for them to escape that. But at the end times, when the name isn't written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that is the destination, that lake of fire. So coming back to chapter 9, quit running on these rabbit trails. You'll never get through 9 if you keep doing that. In chapter 9, we find Satan now opening the bottomless pit, the abyss. Verse 2 says, And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the earth were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Now, we've already seen, as I've said, we've already seen times in these other points where the sun was growing dark. There were other plagues that were coming on that the sun grew dark. And I really feel that during this great tribulation time frame, we're going to see some of the same type of events happening at different times. Some of the things that we read in Revelation, as I shared with you before, it's not necessarily chronological where one happens, then another, then another, then another, then another. Some of these are just laid over, I believe, with each other. And as we go on, we're going to see some grand similarities between some of the plagues, some of the different things that are going on. And it seems like maybe it's just looking at it from a different way, from a different viewpoint. Again, I'm not going to die on that hill, but uh, in my own understanding of it, uh, it looks like some of these things are so similar that he's speaking about the same events. But here we have, as this smoke moves upon the earth, there's this far greater threat that's actually going to be taken place. Look what happens in verse 3 here in chapter 9. Then out of the smoke, locusts came. They came upon the earth, and to them was given the power as the scorpions of the earth have power. Verse 4, they were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. Now, at this point in time, you need to get your creatures straight, okay? Because all through Revelation, we get different creatures and different things happening. So here's the test. What kind of creature came out of the smoke of the abyss? Locusts that acted like scorpions. So it wasn't scorpions, 
but it was locusts themselves. So there's different kinds of locusts, but these guys, they don't act like regular locusts. We're going to find out a little bit later that they don't even look like regular locusts. Again, the, the result of their appearance doesn't affect the world even like normal locusts do. What they're going to be doing is totally different. Locusts, normally, they're an environmental disaster when locusts come in, especially huge waves and swarms and literally plagues of locusts. Where's the first plague of locusts that we hear of in the Bible? Anybody remember? In Egypt, right. As again, as Moses goes to Pharaoh, let my people go, and the ten plagues that come, and one of those is a plague of locusts. Locusts everywhere, everywhere. And to help us to understand a little bit better how bad a plague like that is, it was only back in 1915 that there was a locust invasion in the area of Israel. Now, again, Israel hadn't been reestablished as a state at that point in time. There were a lot of different people groups that were living in the area that was then known as Palestine. But that plague went through eating almost all of the vegetation, cut into the food supply of the people that lived in that region, actually brought almost starvation because of this mass swarm of locusts. Then there was the devastation of the crops about that same time in the United States in the 1915, or in that area. And it preceded the great drought that we had in the middle of the United States, the Dust Bowl. So again, these locusts, horrible, horrible things. In 2004, Africa suffered from the largest infestation of locusts that they had ever seen. Some of the most fertile regions of both northern and western Africa were impacted by this. And in March 2013, almost 50% of the country of Madagascar was under the attack of this huge swarm of estimated over billions and billions of locusts. As a matter of fact, it was labeled as plague status. I mean, I get, I get irritated when I find a cricket in my house, okay? I, I cannot imagine this kind of thing. But those were just normal locusts. Let's look at something different here. Now, we've seen in some of these other plagues or calamities that the wrath of God has been pouring out on the earth, we've seen a lot of environmental calamity already. The ocean being filled with blood, the, the creatures of the ocean dying, a third of them. We've seen a third of the trees destroyed, the fruit-bearing trees and the grasses uh, being destroyed. We, we've seen those things already. But this plague now comes, and it comes only to hit mankind himself. It's not an environmental plague. It's a plague among people. And yet, not all of the people are going to be impacted by it. Which ones can't they touch? We read it just a moment ago, I believe, the 144,000. Why? Because they've been sealed by God. So God supernaturally protects them in the midst of pouring out his wrath at that point in time. Supernaturally, those 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel are protected. They've got the mark of God on their forehead. And we saw that back in chapter 7, those that were sealed already. So this particular plague is also different in the fact that it doesn't take a man's life. It only makes him wish he could die. Because again, just, just how horrible, horrible it is. It says in verse 5 that they were not given the authority to kill them, but to torment them for five 
months. Now, you've got to understand, here, yes, I believe Satan was given that key. He was given permission. He was given authority to open that pit. But he didn't have authority himself. He opened that pit, and these locusts came out, and they're going to bring this plague on mankind. But again, they're going to have the authority to torment man, but their authority is limited. God limits even that. He says, no, we're not going to kill them. We're going to torment them for five months. He says this torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die, and death will flee from them. We don't know exactly what this torment is going to be, but it does say it's like the torment of a scorpion that strikes a man. Now, I've been struck by bees. I've been struck by wasps. I've never been struck by a scorpion. Some of you, if, if you've bought a new house in Casa Grande, you've probably seen your, your fill of scorpions in some of these new houses because as they build these houses in these desert areas, suddenly we're invading upon their territory. They say that when a scorpion stings, that if you are healthy and not a, a small child or uh, too old or senior and have health issues, that although it's painful, for the most part, it's harmless in, in a few days. The, it just kind of goes away. I wonder if they who say that have ever been bitten by a scorpion. You know, yeah, it's, it's harmless. Don't worry about it. But actually, there's only about 30 different types of scorpions. It's interesting, the information you can find. 30 different types of scorpions out of a possible 1,500 type of scorpions that are actually lethal with their sting. One of those types of scorpions, as a matter of fact, the only one in the United States, is what's called the bark scorpion. And guess where they're found? Right here, right here, in the desert southwest. Of course, that's where we live, so uh, amazing on that. But these scorpions, these locusts, actually, with their scorpion sting, their type of sting, they're not lethal, but they are so painful, so painful, that men just want to die. Man, it's just with real sadness, you know, we hear the news like what took place just this week with Robin Williams, you know. Robin Williams, he wasn't a Christian, I understand that, but he was a good actor, he was a good comedian, did a lot of, you know, charitable things, but under depression, so bad, something that he had fought for years and years and years, until finally he just took his own life. How far down does a person have to get to be that way? To be in pain, to be in pain so severe and so hard in your life that you just can't bear it anymore. I've talked to people actually on, on both those things, in depression so much that they just don't want to live anymore. And I've talked to people who, again, had just such physical pain in their life. They just wish the Lord would take them home so they did not have to deal with it anymore. It's a hard, hard place to be. And yet the Word says that they will even seek to die try to die. Men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die, and death will flee from them. John goes on as best he can, I believe, to describe these creatures. And I don't think there's a whole lot of purpose in trying to make a whole lot out of the description. But one thing I want you to see, there's something that is physically visible to John. This isn't just some spirit thing. No, there is something that's very physical 
that he sees, so much so that he's able to give some kind of a description to it. And personally, I feel that, that since these creatures came out of the abyss, that they are actually demonic creatures of some sort. Thanks for spending your time with us today on The Open Word. If you were encouraged by this time together learning more about Jesus and want to hear more, we'd invite you to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes where you can get notified of the latest message as soon as it's available or find archive messages you may have missed. You can even find these teachings online at theopenword.com. There you can learn all about The Open Word and the ministry we're blessed to be a part of. In fact, Pastor David has a special message for you about how you too can be involved in sharing the good news through the open word. There really is something deeply refreshing about being a part of God's kingdom. Not only do I get to learn more about him every time I open the Bible, but he's given me the great privilege of sharing his love with you. This radio ministry and others like it, they're a wonderful and powerful way that God is reaching people across the nation and well, across the world with the gospel. We're blessed to be a part of it. But as with any ministry, there are expenses. Would you prayerfully consider being a part of our financial support here at The Open Word? If you feel led to give, visit theopenword.com and click on the support option. That'll bring you to our secure giving page. Your gift will help us to continue to grow and spread the word of God. Thank you for bringing this matter before the Lord. Thanks, Pastor David. As our time with you draws to a close, know that we continue to pray for you and for more and more people to come to know Jesus through this ministry. Join us next time to continue studying Revelation right here on The Open Word.